This is Free Talk Live. It is the Thursday edition, and we're kicking off hour number one. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so do enjoy those there on us. freetalklive.com as we go straight to the phones and to the fun. Or uh, I don't know if Brian's having fun because he's in Colorado. Brian, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Oh, actually, Brian on the uh, the amplifier line. Hello, Brian. Hi. We got a, got a little snow last night. I heard about that. Something like 4,700 people trapped in Denver International Airport. I mean, how many feet of snow do you have? Well, we're a little south of Denver. Uh, we got, oh, three feet, but it, it was really windy, so we got, like, these six- and seven-foot drifts all over. Wow. wow. Of course, we're snowed in. So you're trapped in your house right now? Trapped in the house. So we're just, um, you know, uh, drinking um, uh, uh, hot toddies and, and taking naked naps, so it's okay. <laughs> naked naps, you say? <laughs> yeah. Is that I unusual? Wait, wait, is it unusual that you take naked naps? I don't understand. Well, uh, on a work day. Thursday, uh, in the middle of the day. Are you not cold? I mean, you've got, you've got the heat. Everything's working, right? Oh, everything's working. Yeah, we've we got, we got a fireplace. The furnace is working. Everything's working. Good. But, but it, uh, it, it made me think. Of course, we have county roads. and mm-hmm. we, We've got our own developments. We have our own private roads. We have our own you know, snow removal service. But they're dependent upon the county getting out here and clearing the roads. And, you know, I was thinking, well, it's a government uh, a project here. No matter how much you yell and scream, unless you're on the city council, you know, then uh, you're really not going to get anything. So we'll be snowed in for a couple of days, probably. So wait, I'm a little confused. You say you have private roads, but they're dependent. The snow removal, the private snow removal service, is dependent on the government for something. What exactly? Where's the government well, yeah, come into play? Well, we're kind of out in the country here, so we've got we've got a, a, a road coming in, and it's four miles one way to a major road, and it's four miles the other way to a major. Oh, road. I see They've what you're saying. A... So you're saying the snow removal service can't make it out to you until the government clears the government road, and then the snow removal people can get to your neighborhood and clear it. Yes. Got and it. So our, our cars are stuck in the garage. I mean, we've got our driveways all cleaned off, or we're working on it. Mm-hmm. But but I was thinking, you know, that uh, it, it's not a matter of. The government can't do anything good. I mean, they, they, there are some things they do, they do okay. Like, well, right. Uh, if you throw enough of, money at the problem, something will get done. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. I mean, what, what does the government do that a, that a private company can't do better, more efficient, less costly, all that stuff? That's, that's the real question. That is the real question. Not, not too you know, much. I'm, I'm stuck here. Tomorrow's Friday. If I don't make it into work, which I won't, I'll lose 1500 bucks. Yikes. And so I, I would be more than happy to, to pay for... You know, a, a rush charge or a special service charge for my private, uh, you know, road cleaning guys to come out here. But sure. just, there, there's no way to do it. Wow. And you and I'm sure if you're in a neighborhood with other people, I'm sure there are other people who'd like to get to work as well. So uh, collectively, the group of you would be able to get a, you know, sort of a group buying discount and uh, and it wouldn't be a problem. So basically, if we had private roads everywhere, this probably wouldn't be an issue. Right, or, or yeah, we, we would have a contract up in front that would say, hey, when it snows like this, uh, we still want the service, but we're willing to pay an extra, you know, five or ten thousand dollars to get you guys out here for the right. Day. You wow. know, it only happens once every couple of years, but you know, it, <laughs> we're stuck here. Yeah, and you're going to continue to be stuck there because I don't think the government's going to be giving up their uh, their road monopoly anytime soon. No, not likely. <laughs> Well, Brian, uh, what else? I mean, what do you? Uh, what else are you guys doing there? Listening to Free Talk Live? Uh, got all the lights on? Just hanging out in the house, huh? 
Oh yeah, yeah. We got a bunch of lucky dogs in here, and they don't want to go outside. And the, <laughs> the chickens, uh, they were, they got kind of cold. So, How do you uh, handle that now, as a Floridian now in New Hampshire uh, for the first time? Uh, obviously, I'm not used to all this stuff. Now we don't have snow on the ground here yet, uh, but inevitably. How do you handle it when you can't get out of your own house and uh, you've got a dog that uh, has to go to the bathroom? Well, we throw the dog in the snow. <laughs> I mean, they go. They go out there. <laughs> they just want to come back in right away. And so you can get your door open. It's just that you can't leave the neighborhood is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. We knew, the, we knew it was coming in, so we know we have to leave a, a snow shovel at, at both doors mm-hmm. you know, so we don't go looking for it in under three feet of snow. Gotcha. So you open the door and you just kind of shovel out as much as you need for the dog to go. And then they come in here and they're, they're now, lazy all day. What was this about the chickens? Oh, there's chickens chickens in the backyard, and, and uh, we like the eggs. But uh, they're kind of snowed into their hen house, so I <laughs> had to go out there and give them water and food. I see. I was, uh, I was concerned that there might be chickens running around while you were taking naked naps. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, Brian, we're glad uh, you're all right, and uh, good luck getting some private roads out there in Colorado. We appreciate hearing from you, sir, and uh, have a great night. 800-259-9231. That's got to be something. Well, yeah, you wake up in the morning, you got three feet of snow outside your door. Poof. 1-800-259-9231. The that never happened in Florida. Toll-free line. I was listening to the news today, and they were talking about the 4,700 uh, 4, people stranded at Denver International Airport. And apparently they're dragging out cots. I mean, can you Where imagine? Where do they get them from? I don't know. I, I, I don't think they have cots at any... I haven't seen any cots at any airports. Where, no, where they maybe they've got cots? a closet where they put them all. I, There's I don't a know. cot closet at the <laughs> airport? <laughs> They're coming from somewhere. I've got to question all of this. I'm can you sorry. imagine, though, being stuck in an airport with those ornery uh, passengers and all the bureaucrats? No. Man. Sounds awful. That does sound awful. 800-259-9231 to the email box. Diane emails in, finally, Mark. We finally got an office uh, office party story. Oh, no. I mean, it's only taken... Uh, actually, she sent it right after the show. But she's actually the only one who sent in an office party story. I thought for sure, because the office party topic flopped on the air. Nobody yeah. called in to talk about it. You, you, and it, it, it bums sure me out. It, it's worked before, but it right. didn't work this year. Right. It bums me out, because it has worked in the past. If it hadn't worked in the past, I wouldn't have tried it again. Sure. But uh, I figured maybe the podcast listeners would hear it, and they would respond later on. Turns out only Diane. Uh, well, anyway, she says, All the office parties that I've been to have been pretty tame. But for the last four years, I've been working for the same company. Every year, two of our department coworkers throw the most fabulous Christmas parties that I've ever been to. There's tons of food, alcohol, music. They've got a room with a pool table and a bar, even. They hire a karaoke DJ to come in. Sounds like you'd be there, Mark. Yeah, I'd love it. And everyone sings and cheers each other on. It's a blast because the house is always packed with friends, coworkers, and even their neighbors, which they're smart enough to invite. Because our department runs 24 hours, the reason for that is if you don't invite the neighbors, they get angry and they call the police on you. <laughs> because our department runs 24 hours, they keep the party going from 7 p.m. all the way to 7 a.m. Oh boy. It is a huge production. Anyway, a couple of years ago, I got drunk enough to sing karaoke. First, it was just with other people, but then I got the idea it would be great to sing Hank Williams' Long Gone Lonesome Blues. I don't know if you've heard this song, but it does involve yodeling. I look back on it now, and I think I must have been out of my mind. But something happened, and surprisingly, I did a fairly decent job with it. Everybody cheered and even complimented me the next day. So, it worked out well. But the potential for personal humiliation was great. Yes. Left... <laughs> Any, anything that involves yodeling has a high potential of personal humiliation. I'm sorry. I left fairly early because I had to work the next morning with a hangover, of course. But the stories I heard the next day left me slack-jawed. Somewhere around 3 a.m., 
One very good-looking co-worker who had a great voice got up to sing. A girl from another department had a crush on him. So when he got up to sing, she got up to dance sexily and try to get his attention. Since he was married, he tried to avoid looking at her. Not getting the response she wanted, she turned her back to him, dropped her pants, and started smacking her butt as if to say, Ride em, cowboy. Oh, my. That'll get your attention, huh? Now I don't know if hard, you can... Hard to uh, ignore that, I suppose. She says, I don't know if you can air this part. The worst thing was that she was so drunk that she forgot that it wasn't an appropriate time of the month to be dropping her oh, drawers. Man. While she thought she was being sexy... Everyone looking at her could see a white cotton string hanging down from her crotch. All I can say is I hope she blacked the whole event out and that nobody ever told her what all of her co-workers and their significant others saw. If it had been me, I'd never have gotten a good night's sleep for the rest of my life. Never mind. It would never, ever have been me. Uh, You don't know about that, Diane. You put a few more drinks in you, you never know what you're going to do. You did after all, Yodel. Yeah, you black out. I mean, if you black out on alcohol, you could do anything. And you wouldn't even know it. It does happen. That was, it says, if that wasn't enough, a supervisor was groping women and at some point peed into an expensive plant because the bathroom wasn't in use. Mm. The plant eventually died. Now, that's actually one I've heard before. People relieving themselves in plants at office parties. Apparently, that happens fairly often. Mm. A few people tumbled down the spiral staircase leading from the upstairs balcony to the backyard. And, of course, somebody started a fight. When I heard all these stories the next day, I thought, dang it, I miss all the good stuff. And, dang Diane, it, you did. we really appreciate the email. Thank you for the office party story. If you have one, if you've been to an office party from hell, or you did something ex- extremely embarrassing, or witnessed something embarrassing, and you've got an office party story for us, 800-259-9231. Otherwise, coming up, a beer company, and I believe the state of Illinois. There's been a bit of a conflict. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free. Do enjoy them. That does include the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. Uh, and you should get registered sooner rather than later. You're going to want to be involved in this. And I suppose it's possible that, uh, and I guess it could sell out, right? I mean, there's only so much room in that hotel. The, the, the fire marshal will make sure that, it's, you know, yeah. that there's a, uh, a limit. So you don't want to miss out on that. And uh, perhaps one lady that will be in attendance, I'm hoping, I don't know. We don't have her here to ask, but we hopefully will have her here sometime soon. Lauren Canario. Yeah. We got some, some really good news today, news. but we'll let John tell it because uh, he's scooping us on this one. John in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. there. How's it going? It's going well. How are you, My how you doing? My computer's down, so I haven't been able to listen to the program. That's okay. Um, so I don't know if you brought this up, but I got a phone message today. My friends know that my computer's down, so they did me the courtesy of calling. Mm-hmm. Lauren is free. Yes, she is. Uh, I got the word uh, earlier this afternoon, I guess... They turned her loose out of the New London prison that she was, or the Connecticut prison that she was in, and I, I believe her husband Jim headed down there to uh, to pick her up, and that's 
that's the last that I'd heard that uh, that he went down there to grab her. And I guess there's uh, maybe a party being planned for this weekend in her honor. Absolutely, I'm thinking the party ought to be Saturday because uh, some of us were planning on going down there to protest on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to go to that God-forbidden place. Heck no. Called Connecticut. Uh, hopefully we'll be over in Winchester, which will be right by you guys. And uh, I was so psyched when I first got that message when I come in this afternoon. I was speechless. Now, let's before we go on, let's recap for anybody just tuning in. Uh, Lauren Canario was arrested in, I believe it was late September, early October, for sitting on a front porch at a house in New London, Connecticut. You know, New London. We talked about it last night on the show where uh, a bunch of people porch. had their properties being threatened by the government. There was a Supreme Court case that ruled that essentially that the government can take your property for whatever flipping reason they want to and use it for whatever purposes they want. And so she had actually moved into the area to stand up for the, the freedoms, or what few freedoms we have left, to stand up for those property owners and to, def- and to help defend their liberty. Um, unfortunately, the property owners lost the case, but Lauren stuck it out. She continued to, uh, to stick around to, uh, to assist the owners over there. And while she was sitting on the front porch reading a book of one of the houses of the property owners, the police, I guess, were also in the vicinity, and they decided to arrest her for, well, apparently... I don't know, reading, uh, unlawfully reading. I'm not sure exactly. I don't even know if she was ever even charged with anything. I'm not even sure. Well, we're going to get all these details. Hopefully we're going to have her in the, the studio. Charge, as far as the charge, my understanding is, and this is kind of sketchy, she did this protest a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, a year and some months ago. But when she did it then, they released her without any uh, words on her part. She's a silent protester. She's not cooperating non-violent, non-cooperation. She's having no part of what they're doing, and they released her without having her found guilty or anything else. They did that a year ago, and apparently they've done the same thing today. This is without knowledge of the public. Uh, she's a free woman standing down in Connecticut, and her husband has to drive there. You know, she, he, he can't be given notice, uh, you know, a few hours early to go down there. So Connecticut's kind of a dirty, dirty place. Uh, but Jim went down, her husband, to pick her up and bring her home. And you know what? Hopefully she's going to come back here to New Hampshire. Uh, activist of the year by, yeah, absolutely. by some standards on the Internet. I hope not uh, only that she comes back here to New Hampshire. Of course, her, her husband and her have property here in, this, in the state now at this point. And uh, I hope not only that she comes back, but I hope that uh, – and we're going to get to ask her this all, I think, well, in Ian, person you, here soon. You know that we did a flag burn last weekend. I was there. Uh, hopefully this, this was just the mounting effect uh, on Connecticut that activism does work. There's some people that say civil disobedience does not work. Lauren has brought uh, attention to the issue and, and has not given up. And some people say, well, why is she doing that? Some people. Uh, Some people don't think it's effective. Some people think that she's getting uh, getting arrested and sitting in jail for what was it, 88 days, something like that. Yeah, it's sitting in jail for 100 days now. For three full months, they believe it was for naught. And I I'll think that Lauren's going to feel differently about not, that. Ian, it's not for naught because this woman shows courage. She's got bigger uh, courage than than <laughs> most people in this country. Most yeah. people would just want to ignore that. They're going into holidays. And they'll be talking about at their holiday parties about, you know, what did the local team do and what did this happen and that. They're not caring about what's going on in this country. 
Lauren cares. She put herself on the line uh, for the liberty of people that were at at one point total strangers to her, and this now I'm sure. a woman who's a hero. And by the way, her birthday is on the day that we were going to be down in Connecticut. Is that right? Tomorrow? We don't have to go to that godforsaken place. Oh wait, wait, it's we're Saturday here in New Hampshire. Okay. Welcome home, Lauren. Awesome. Welcome home, Lauren. John, thank you, Welcome sir, and home. I'm sure we'll be seeing you. If there's a party this weekend, I'm sure we'll be seeing you at it. Thanks, sir. We appreciate nice. hearing thank from you. you. 800-259-9231. You know what? I don't, re- I don't believe in miracles, but this is really a nice little uh, gift, nice. I guess you could say, that uh, she's not staying. I, if you want to call it a gift, it's better than her being there for 8 to 12 months, which is what we are expecting to happen. Right. Apparently, they just turned her loose today. No warning whatsoever to anybody. They probably just chucked her out onto the street. Who knows how she got a call, and she probably went and you know, bummed a phone call off of somebody to call her husband. You know, I, I know that uh, Jim, her husband, is the uh, happiest guy in the world right now. Oh, yeah. He's on his way down to Connecticut to pick up his wife. Who's She's probably the happiest lady in the world right now. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know. We're going to get the details, I'm sure. And if you'd like to, uh, the details on what's going to happen, I guess, over the weekend, if you're in the New England area, you probably want to go to nhfree.com and poke around on the forums there to see what they've got planned for Saturday but uh, I definitely want to welcome her home, and I also want to get a chance to uh, maybe bring her on the air here on Free Talk Live, have her sit in here in the studio for an hour, take yeah, phone we got calls. A free mic. And, yep, take phone calls, uh, ask her about her experience, and uh, you know, get it from her in first person. Because last time, last year, when she was arre- arrested the first time in New London, this is the second time she's been sitting in a Connecticut prison mm-hmm. in two years. The first time she got out, we had her on the phones, and we did an interview over the phone. But I think it'd be a lot more fun to have her right here, because we can now. We might as well. So that's uh, that I will work on. We'll uh, work on getting Lauren here. All right, 800-259-9231. Glad to have her out, and hopefully she's going to be done. Well, this is definitely a question I want to ask her is, are you finished with New London, Connecticut? Gosh, Please be so. done with it, because it's over. I mean, Liberty has lost the uh, the battle in Connecticut. Well, they, they there's own no it chance now. now. Um, it, you know, they they the the city of New London finally offered most of those people, you know, the ones they weren't able to to muscle out of the way. They offered mm-hmm. them, you know, great prices for their houses, and uh, they forced them to take great prices for their houses. And I can't say that I consider it a total loss. Um, it's a total loss of our freedom to own property. That's a total loss, my Look, friend. I, I wish somebody would uh, come in and force me to take $400,000 for my house in Sarasota. Well, please. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you didn't. You don't care, obviously, about right. that property, and they had a little bit more attachment to theirs. 800-259-9231, and they should have been able to be free to keep it, should they have wanted to. But it's over now. They've All their property's been taken. So we'll find out if Lauren Canario's battle in New London is done with. I hope it will be. We'll clue you in when we know. 800-259-9231. Going to a beer company coming up next. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves if you want to. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. They're completely free, including the listener map. We've got over 1,700 of our listeners that have added themselves to the listener map at map.freetalklive.com. You can go there, add yourself, or just scroll around the world and see who else is a listener of the show. Map.freetalklive.com. Do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. 
A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's 1-800-657-5066, akidsjourney.com. So tell me about uh, this beer company, Mark. What's going on? Well, they're making beer. Um, the this was sent to me by a listener, and it's a really great article. It's by Nicholas Day, and I believe he published it for the AP. I don't know. Um, at the Map Room, a buck bar, uh, Bucktown bar with a tap list, the length of a novel. This the is be- in Illinois? That's correct. Okay. The beers, um, they'll, they'll say that in just one second. The beers of Bell's Brewery are suddenly what everyone wants. They've, been, uh, they've never been more popular, says bar owner Laura Blessingame. If you don't have it, you really want it. Wanting won't help. Due to a much-publicized dispute with a Chicago distributor, the Southwest Michigan Brewery has pulled out of the state entirely. Whoa. It might seem like a bewildering decision for a brand that's been a fixture in local bars and stores for more than a decade. Chicago is a bottomless beer market, and craft beer doesn't have a ceiling in sight. Sales were up 11% nationwide in the first half of this year. That's on top of a 9% increase in 2005 and a 7% increase in 2004. They're doing pretty good. Hmm. Meanwhile, sales of American mass market brands fell in 2005 and are up less than 2% this year. So this is some sort of a specialty beer? It is. Okay. Um, But Bell's founder, Larry Bell, has said, um, has had it with a state law that legally ties him to a distributor, he says, doesn't care about his beers. The only hmm. way he feels he can control what happens to his brand is to take the ball and take his ball and go home. And Bell isn't the only brewer who feels about, feels hamstrung. Many industry experts say the law keeps small brewers out of Chicago, already a notoriously competitive market, and constraints um, constrains those who are wait, wait, wait. already here. Before you go on, I want to make a prediction. Are you telling me that the big beer lobbies, the big beer companies, have friends in politics? who have created laws that uh, mandate certain things about a distributor, uh, distributor-wholesaler relationships to where th- these uh, little guys are essentially being squozen out by the laws that have been created, These essentially the big beer companies teaming up with the politicians here? I'm not sure that's why it happened, but that's the how of what's happening. Okay. In short, it does a lot to dictate what beers end up on the shelf at your local liquor store or on tap at the local tavern. And not surprisingly, distribution law, which has been deeply influenced by business interests, has a lot to do, apparently you are correct, has a lot to do with politics and little to do with beer. Consider this, says Larry Bell. Of the fast of the three fastest growing craft brands in the Midwest, Bell's, Boulevard, and New Glarus Brewing, none of them do business in Chicago. <laughs> To understand what happened to Bell's, you have to understand what happened in the 1930s. After Prohibition, when modern alcohol law and uh, the three-tier system were created, the system, which stipulates that all alcohol has to pass through a middleman, was established to ensure that producers couldn't run bars and limit consumer choice by exclusively serving their own drinks. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? That was the excuse? That? The idea that uh, the beer, beer manufacturer... Uh, would open up his own bar and exclude other drinks. That was the excuse they used to uh, to mandate that there be distributors, essentially mandating that there be middlemen. Well, there um, and people fell for that. Well, you, you know that this is a very popular thing to do uh, throughout the United States. I mean, there's a restaurant called Hops, um, which is a franchise. Yeah, which they create all their own beers right there. I'm sure you can get other beers, but they create their own beers there on site, and you can choose to. 
drink their beer if you want. Is Are they not allowed in Illinois? Is... I would assume that in Illinois, at the very least, they have to carry other people's beers. Mm-hmm. Um, That's outrageous. And... Who cares if a beer company goes and opens up its own bar? How does that prevent another beer company from opening up their own bar ridiculous. and competing? It How does ridiculous. that d- prevent an independent from jumping in and opening up a bar with different types of beer? Right. All outrageous. the better reasons. I mean, if you have a bar, then you can um, use that, if you, if, if you so choose, to jumpstart your own beer brand. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some almost guaranteed sales right there. Right. Are but they, if your beer is terrible, people will stop coming to your bar if that's, that's all you serve. That's true. And if your prices are bad, too. And now I would presume, and I wonder if there's another law about pricing structures. Because, for instance, e- even if you have, even if the law mandates that you offer other beers at your bar, you could offer those beers at twice the price of the homebrew, right? Uh, the, twice the price of the bar brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so why would anyone pay twice the price when they could just pay for the bar brand? I would bet there's probably restrictions on what you can and can't charge, you know, like what the maximum markup is, that sort of thing. Well, this sounds like it's a very restrictive business. I haven't read that in here, but uh, you know, that may it would make well sense. The repeal, of, it doesn't seem like it because uh, usually when they write those laws, they write them poorly and it really screws up pricing because they'll say, beer can't be, you can't charge more than $5 for a glass of beer. Of course, mm-hmm. if they wrote that in uh, 1930, it would be, you can't charge more than a nickel for a glass of beer, in yeah. which case they're really screwed up. The repeal of prohibition effectively gave states the right to regulate alcohol within their borders, and the resulting patchwork states of laws... States don't have rights. Only individuals have rights. Okay. The re- resulting patchwork of laws has meant that distributors are usually in-state companies. Uh, many say the three-tier system has made distributors a protected class, but distributors mm-hmm. maintain that liquors... Um, that liquor requires special rules oh, to this really? day, yes. Alcohol is not toothpaste or anything else, says Bill Olson, <laughs> the executive vice president of the Associated Beer Distributors of Illinois, a lobbying group. He argues that distributors um, protect customers against... A lobbying against, group for distributors. Right. He ar- Listen to this. He argues that distributors protect customers against counterfeit products, ah. pay the taxes on liquor bought in the, um, brought into the state, and prevent teenagers from getting their hands on a bottle of Everclear. But California State University economics professor uh, Glenn Whitman, who has conducted a study on the economic logic of the system, poo-poos his rationale. Yeah. The uh, arguments are in no way specific to alcohol, he says. Why aren't we concerned about people producing counterfeit Coca-Cola? We have uh, sa- sales taxes on all kinds of goods, but we don't feel the need to create a third party for them. And the chief <laughs> legal counsel for the uh, Illinois Liquor Control Commission, Bill whatever, says that in his uh, two and a half years at the ILCC, he's received only one formal complaint from someone's, um, someone whose kid bought liquor over the Internet. Teenagers still get alcohol the old-fashioned way, he says. They sneak it out of the liquor cabinet or get a friend or relative to buy it sure for them. Sure they do. Yeah. So. The idea that the distributors are protecting teenagers... All they're doing is protecting their own mandated profits that Absolutely. they've been handed on a silver platter by their friends in government. And they're driving out competition. And we're all paying for it. I mean, we as in the drinkers. I don't know. Maybe I'm paying for it through my taxes. I'm not a drinker. But uh, certainly millions of, uh, millions of Americans are. And they're paying prices, inflated prices, that they don't have, they shouldn't have to be paying in order to support this middle layer of management that is completely unnecessary. It, it is completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. I mean, beers, d- beer companies will decide how they want to distribute their own product 
um, inside states. They don't need distribution companies. Also, the uh, the counterfeiting claim is pretty outrageous. Yeah. I mean, if a beer distributor, or excuse me, if a bar, like a local bar, managed to counterfeit Budweiser, you know, they managed to get that flavor exactly right, and they managed to somehow have cans, uh, I don't know, I mean, I guess put a Budweiser label on their tap and try to fool people that they actually had Budweiser. If somebody, if, first of all, if the counterfeit was so good, that nobody ever questioned it, then really, what who cares? <laughs> uh, but uh, but if it's uh, if it was off and somebody questioned it, all that they'd have to do to protect Budweiser would be to call up Budweiser and say, "Hey, is uh, Joey's Bar on Main Street they a, a, a distributor of yours? Are they allowed to sell your beer? Because you have to have an agreement with Budweiser, right, to sell their beer. Right. You'd have to get it from you know the kegs or whatever they the the, the I guess that's what they tap for those uh, those bar things is, is kegs." You'd have to have an agreement with them to get those kegs. And so that way Budweiser would say, no, no, they're not, which would mean they'd be violating their agreement and all that. They could go in and and uh, not shut them down, per se, but they could certainly wage a campaign to uh, out them as being counterfeiters. Absolutely. I don't think it would take too much um, advertising to say, hey, this bar's not carrying you know not carrying Budweiser and they say and they're saying that they are and they could promote one of their friendly bars they could promote an, an existing Budweiser distributing bar and say hey come over here to this bar you can get real Budweiser and we'll give you two dollars off or something like that more's on the way you take control of the airwaves it is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the packet8.net toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where everything's completely free. All the features that you're going to find there are on the house, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff, like Free Talk Live branded merchandise, Free Talk Live hats, t-shirts, we get the Free Marketeer flag and more, including classic archive DVD collector sets, all there at store.freetalklive.com. That again, store.freetalklive.com. Also, you can purchase anything else you might need in life at amazon.freetalklive.com because anything that you buy, whether used or new at amazon.freetalklive.com and there are 35 categories of products, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. So great way to support the show and get the shopping done that you need to do. Amazon.freetalklive.com. So on this whole beer subject, just just really sad. The protectionism uh, that is going on, essentially allowing it, the state of Illinois, but I know this happens in other states as well. I remember there was a story earlier this year, I think, about a Washington state distributor or some uh, a Washington state manufacturer of, of beer, uh, of some sort of an alcoholic product that was also upset about the mandates and the requirements that they they couldn't sell, they wanted to sell directly to the consumer. I mean, it makes sense. But right? It does make some sense. Why not sell at the lowest possible price, outprice all your competition? But no, That's the best laws for the get consumers. in the way. That's true. It is best for the consumers. But as we've seen, the law isn't doing what's best for the consumers. The laws what the law is doing what it was designed to do, and that is to protect friends of politicians. Yep. It's all about the lobbyists. And Every that's the way it's single always been. time you can watch, you can just look at the lobbyists and see it's it's what they want. And apparently it's been that way for decades. The owner of that beer company saying that this this dates all the way back to the end of prohibition. These laws. So um, hopefully we'll be able to make some changes, maybe in the free state. Of course, one of the first changes we're going to have to make is getting the uh, the liquor business out of the hands of the state. Here in New Hampshire, one of the problems we have in this in this state is that the state government runs the liquor stores here. 
ridiculous. I, I've never even seen anything like this before. Every state's different when it comes to alcohol. It's crazy. And, and uh, it's like alcohol's magic or something. I don't understand why it is. That it's the, magic uh, for money, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of money in that There's business. a lot of money in it, but I can't imagine that the uh, state doesn't eat, does a very good job of running a store. I haven't been to Doubtful. one of these state liquor stores. I don't have any desire to go. But um, I just, you know, why is the state in this business? The state isn't supposed to be making money. Well, the state's here to protect you, Mark. They're then here what's to, that have to do with making money? They're here to protect you from evil companies who want to charge you too much. Well, but but what about every other state in the union where evil where evil companies, quote unquote, um, are selling alcohol? I mean, this tiny little plot of land up here in the Northeast, um, somehow they're going to be worse here. Yeah, I wonder what would happen if you actually compared prices. Like if you compared the state government prices on liquor to say another state where you a private owner could have I his can, own liquor store, I can tell you that beer prices are just tremendous here compared to what they are in uh, Florida. Hmm. Well, um, speaking of liquor, well, let's go to high school. Coolidge uh, Examiner reporting that CHS principal Tim Hamilton said we had a hunch that today would be a good day for a lockdown. <laughs> can you believe that quote? We had a hunch that today would be a good day for a lockdown. Hey, great idea. Let's lock down the school and search all of the students because, mm. as he says, quote, we like to do these every now and then to ensure that the students know we remember them and are looking out for their safety. Now, as a high school student, if the government came in and locked down your school and then proceeded to search your classroom, would you be feeling safe? Would you be feeling good about that sort of thing? I wonder what the students have to say about this. Well, they're probably petrified. Well, Hamilton said the high school administration worked with the Coolidge Police Department and uh, the Juvenile Probation Department to set up the lockdown at 12.45 on December the 14th. The Juvenile Probation Department? Four officers, well, they're looking out for the kids' safety. We've got sound, a, I mean, it sounds almost like the kids are guilty until proven innocent. At uh, 12.45, well, yeah, pretty much, that's what the, the game was. Uh, 14th on the 14th, four officers from those departments joined Hamilton and C A and other C H S deans to comb the school for illegal materials. Hamilton said the seven members of the search party divided into three teams to expedite the process. It took the three teams about an hour and a half to scour the entire school site. I'm guessing it's a, a smallish school. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pleased to announce that we checked every student and every classroom. How'd they check them? That is what I would like to know. Uh, I don't think this article goes into the, the dirty details of how they checked every student, but it almost sounds like they patted them down, doesn't it? It does sound like I mean, that. how else could you check every At student? At least wanded them or something. The search, them. Well, yeah, but a wand isn't going to find drugs. That's true. The, I'm in a dog. I'm sorry. The search did turn up some Tylenol and a leave, said Hamilton, but no illegal drugs were found. And I'm pleased to announce that we checked every student in every classroom and no illegal drugs were found. The search, uh, let's see, while not illegal... Even painkillers, such as uh, such as those, must be approved by the school nurse. Brian Miller, student resource officer with the Coolidge Police Department, discovered a knife hidden in a bookcase. However, Hamilton said there were no students around, so it would be difficult to determine the owner of the knife. It was the second lockdown of the 2006-2007 school year. Two in a year, Mark. They didn't do this when I was in high school. And... It's just stunning to me imagining this imagining this happening. I, I, I can't imagine what I would have thought back then. I wasn't a libertarian back when I was in high school, but I was certainly going, I think, in that direction. And I don't think I would have been too pleased with uh, this invasion of my privacy. The first lockdown took place on August 18th, the day after three students from the high school were busted 
for shoplifting liquor from the Johnson Ranch Walmart, then imbibing the alcohol during the bus ride to school. In that instance, Coolidge Police Forces uh, joined probation officers and did a thorough search of all the Sand Heights buses, as well as 22 random classrooms. That search also turned up no illegal drugs and no alcohol. The three students were punished with a nine-day out-of-school suspension. So because three kids were caught with alcohol, that meant it was time to search every single student in the school. Isn't that nice? Well, I, it, it, you know, that's how it is. It seems to be that's how they do it in schools. One kid does something wrong, Everyone and everybody gets has punished. to suffer. Right, which is which is actually one of the ways that they encourage kids to snitch out other kids, because they hey, know you all don't want to be punished, do you? Right, you don't want to get in trouble, so just tell us who's got the drugs. Quote, we used to contact the bus driver as they were heading to school and ask them to pull into the bus barn. For the last couple of searches, we've had the buses pull into the parking lot near McDonald's. That way, if students throw something out of the window, we can see it right there in the parking lot. I mean, it's like living, it's almost like, like a prison. jail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's a cop tactic. Right. This your your kids if they're in government high school are in the equivalent of a part-time jail. They're they're both institutions. Yeah, complete with uh police officers doing shakedowns of your stu- of the students. And uh, how many parents are going to are just going to shrug their shoulders at this and believe what the principal says and just you know, tell themselves, you know, they really are just trying to keep our kids safe. It's they are trying to keep them safe from, um, you know, they they may very well keep your kids safe from drugs to some extent or another. But what if your kid happens to decide to experiment with pot that day, has it on them or something like that? Do you really want them to have a, I mean, and by the way, chances are really, really good. Your kid is going to experiment with pot. That's Sorry. true. Um, and just like you did. And, you know, do you really want them to have that on their record for the rest of their lives? Right, because, because they're, they're not- trying something out. Yeah, because I don't think that if they're going to go through this, go through the hassle of searching, shaking down the entire school, that if they catch little Johnny with a bag of marijuana, a little, you know, dime bag or whatever a kid would have, they catch Johnny with a dime bag, I don't think they're going to call mommy and daddy and have him come, you know, have them come pick him up. Yeah, give him a paddling right there. I think that uh, Johnny's going to be go- um, taken to the jail. Yeah. And he's going to be checked in. Now, they're going to call mom and dad at that point, but by then Johnny's got a record. Yeah. And he's going to be going to juvenile court. Swell. And I believe once you have a uh, conviction, a drug conviction, you can't get a uh, you can't get a student loan anymore. That's true. Little Johnny is out of the running for college. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't, you can't get one from the government. Well, yes, that's correct. But you could get grants and that sort of thing from from other individuals. If you've experienced one of these searches and you know what the tactics are like, I'd like to hear from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean. And you know what? We actually had uh, one of our listeners call last week, I believe it was, and we haven't gotten a follow-up call from him. I think it was Francisco or Kirby, one or the other, in uh, I think they're in New Jersey, where he was going to go to school the day after he'd called the show mm-hmm. and refused to be searched because he had, uh, I guess, gotten wind that the, go- the, the school was going to be searching everyone coming to school that day. And he had planned on refusing the search, and we had sort of encouraged him to do so, but I have not actually. We've not actually heard back from him since. No. Hope they didn't throw him in a gulag. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I doubt it as well. Doesn't seem likely. He probably just hasn't remembered to call. I don't think he was risking too much. I mean, at worst, he got a referral or something like that. But still, would like to hear the update on that one. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever is on your mind. We're going to the email box here shortly. On the way, question about underage workers 
and foreign workers and all those laws, you know, those pesky mm-hmm. laws that have to do with that. We're coming to that. Your calls as well about anything. This is your show, 800-259-9231. It is Free Talk Live. Hour, th- hour two coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line as we kick off hour number two, the Thursday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system's there and more. It's all for free at freetalklive.com. We go to the phones to start things out this hour. It's Josh in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark on the amplifier line. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I'd like to share a story that happened to me in the 10th grade. Yeah. Um, you know those, like, surveys they give out to high schoolers that ask, like, um, you know, have you ever smoked pot and uh, is it easier to get pot than alcohol? Right, right. Yeah, I had that. They did that survey with me when I was in high school. Sure. Yeah, well, they tell you, you know, like, it's confidential and stuff, and they'll never know who you are. And, you know, like, it can't be used against you and stuff. But when I was in the 10th grade, uh, we took one of those, and um, it was on a Thursday, and the next day it was, like, before spring break or something, and uh, they had, like, this drug bus. Like, they had, like, dozens of cops come in with dogs and uh, and stuff, and I just think that, you know, they used that survey against us. And Even if it was anonymous, they sort of uh, took the information and said, there's way too much pot in this school, we're going to bust them. That kind of thing, or yeah, do you think that they uh, took the you know, they found out individuals' information and uh, specifically targeted well, them? I mean, it's just um, too suspicious because they did it the day after everybody took the survey. It is highly suspicious. Yeah, but could they have compiled the results that quickly? I guess they were st- Scantron, right? So they probably could have. Were they, oh no, maybe were they Scantron? You, you know, fill in the little bubbles, that sort of thing, or no? Yeah, that was it. Okay, because yeah, you can run through those scan, you can run those scantrons through a machine, lickety split, and, yeah. uh, and get answers. They could probably done the whole school instead. Of so two yeah, hours. interesting, uh, interesting su- uh, supposition. I think you might be onto something there. Did uh, what was it like when they uh, when they did they lock down the school? Did they bring dogs into classrooms? I mean, what was it like? Well, first they had like an announcement on the PA system, and they were like, uh, "Everybody, get in your classrooms. We're having a lockdown. Uh, teachers, come out to the hallways." And the teachers, like, closed the doors, and they all went out. And, uh, and like, the kids were, like, getting up and looking out the door. And, and I looked out the door, and there were, like, dozens of cops, and they all had, like, uh, the, the drug dogs. Mm-hmm. And they were going around the lockers. And uh, some girl in my class, she had uh, some weed. And we were in a keyboarding class, and there was, like, uh, this table with some computers that weren't being used, mm-hmm. like some boxes. And she got up while the teacher was out, and... Uh, and she, like, hid the weed in between two boxes. And when he came back, the dogs didn't, like, go in there or anything. But when he came back uh, after the bus was over or whatever, mm-hmm. um, he, like, he hadn't been uh, – they were just sitting there, like, the whole year. And that day was the day when he decided to uh, – To clean them up? To get one of the computers out. And he mm. – uh, he like took one of the computers off the desk, and then he saw the weed there, and he was like, "We got a drug addict in here!" And he held up the weed. Oh gosh! 
and uh, and everybody <laughs> was just like real silent. And I don't know, why, I don't know why she did it, but she got up and like confessed in front oh, of everybody. Oh man, I was gonna say I was I was really proud of your classmates for not snitching her out on that one. Thanks. I don't know why she did it, but I don't. Nobody would have. I don't think anybody would have snitched her. Oh, I bet they would have. High school's a snitching place. Yeah, well, I'm surprised that nobody did it. You know, nobody well, jumped on it right away. It, it, they would have done it after the class was over or something like I, that. I just think? suspect uh, if you would have waited, if she would have waited a few more seconds, or if yeah. uh, you know, after after the class when they wouldn't have been seen by anybody. Josh, thanks for the story, man. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, it's interesting that he happened to mention the that survey mm-hmm. that they do when they ask the kids what their drug use is like. Because they just happened to do that survey recently. The AP reporting, teens increasingly are getting high with legal drugs like painkillers and mood stimulants. And they're turning to cough syrup as well, says a government survey released on Thursday. Now, we recently discussed uh, cough syrup. We recently had a a fairly long segment about that particular thing. But this is going to cover a variety of, uh, of teens' usage of drugs here. The annual study by the National Institute on Drug Abuse conducted by the University of Michigan showed re- mixed results in the nation's longtime campaign against teen drug abuse. It found that while fewer teens overall drank alcohol or used illegal drugs during the last year, a small but growing number were popping prescription painkillers like OxyContin and Vicodin, as well as stimulants like Ritalin. As many as, uh, as many as one in every 14 high school seniors said they used cold medicine fairly recently to get high, the study found. Now, that's uh, down from the last study about uh, DXM users, one in 10. Right. So, you know, somewhere in there, one in 10, one in 14. It was the first year that the government tracked the frequency of teens who reported getting high from over-the-counter medicine for coughs and colds. The uh, director of the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy, a real lowlife named John Walters, said, quote, It's bad that kids are buying cough syrup and using it this way. It's not good for them. Well, no doubt, John. Uh, yes, we agree that it's not good for them, but we don't agree that uh, cracking down... Sending them to jail is really going to help them. ...is going to be the answer. The study found about 1 in 10 high school seniors have abused the painkiller Vicodin, And Walter said, I mean, that's interesting, that one in ten have used a specific named uh, chemical, a uh, prescription pill like that. Right. And abused being the active word there. Walter said... Some get uh, more popular, you know, these things go through popularity spurs. That's true. Uh, Walter said kids might be pilfering the pills from their parents' medicine cabinets. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but there's also, it's also much more likely that they're buying them on the black market. Uh, because if you're a kid and mom's got a prescription for Vicodin and mom is using the prescription for Vicodin, I could understand if the medicine was just sitting in the cabinet for a while and nobody was using it. But even then, a kid with a pill habit, a kid abusing right. you're not Vicodin, be able to go very long. Right, you're only going to be able to sneak eh, Three, a certain four, amount of five. pills. Yeah, five maximum and a whole bottle of pills before mom takes notice, unless she's so doped up herself that she doesn't even know. But for the most part, yeah, they're going to get caught. Uh, by their parents. So it's much smarter for the kids to buy in the black market. No evidence for the parents to discover. And, uh, of course, it costs a fair amount of money. Black market pills are anywhere from 5 to $20 a, a pill. Where they're getting the money from is another question. It's an excellent question. Uh, the study, again, uh, let's see, that's 
That is one thing you can do to, uh, is take the pills that are no longer being used and throw them away. Get rid of them, he said in an interview. Yes, that'll stop the problem. Walters credited public service advertising with a steady decrease in overall teen drug use over the past five years and said the agency would shift some of its 2007 advertising budget toward combating prescription drug abuse. He challenged the recommendations of an August government audit that said the anti-drug advertising campaign wasn't working and suggested Congress consider reducing its funding. So John Walters, the drug czar, saying, oh, yeah, those ads are working great. It's because of the ads that kids are using drugs less. But the Government Accountability Office, which is essentially the government bureaucracy that audits all other federal government bureaucracies, Mm -hmm. the Government Accountability uh, Accountability Office said that after children watched the ads, they were more likely to use marijuana. So I wonder why that is. The GAO has determined that the government's ads are driving kids to drug use. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Why do you think kids are more likely to use marijuana? Because they've, it's been brought top of mind to yeah. them, for them? Maybe that's what it is. I'd be interested in your ideas on that at 800-259-9231. I remember when I was in high school, we just laughed at those things. I don't know if they specifically made me want to smoke pot more, but it certainly made it seem... Uh, it was certainly just a laughable event whenever one of those commercials came on, and it, it didn't make me take the drugs any ser- any more seriously, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think that the This Is Your Brain on Drugs uh, really did much for me either. How about the one, uh, the classic where the, the father catches his son with the marijuana and uh, the classic line, I learned it from watching you, Dad. Dad. Yes. We're pushing back, Walters told reporters Thursday as he outlined was, the studies. I learned it from you, okay? Something like that. Yeah. I think it was I learned it from watching you, okay. Uh, what He says, what this shows is that we're pushing back successfully. Yes, finally, Mark, after decades of the war on drugs, it is a success. <laughs> we're seeing a, a little bit of success here. I, I don't think so. The rise in prescription drug abuse was a troubling conclusion in a study because uh, that Walters described as good news overall because of the drop in teen use of alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, and other illicit substances. Now, of course, all of this counts on teenagers being honest about their use of drugs. There's no guarantee of. I mean, we just talked with Josh a few moments ago. He's kind of paranoid about taking these tests. Doesn't sound like he's going to be honest here in the future if he was. was. I was paranoid about taking them. I thought, well, maybe they're anonymous, maybe they aren't. Maybe they aren't. If they aren't, I better just not reveal my drug use to these bureaucrats. What's in it for me? Right. More's on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so do enjoy the bulletin board system, the Shrine of Female Listeners. By the way, the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies that have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by heading over to the Shrine for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1,000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. And and we're within striking distance, I think, now on we're, the First um, 1,000 Pledge. According to Pledge Bank, we're at uh, 806 people have signed up out of the 1,000 that need to, so um, well, 999 that need to. 
in order to uh, make the goal. And I'm making calls. I've got other people making calls. Um, it's going to happen. I, I think it is going to happen. Of course, it will happen sooner if you will go ahead and sign the first 1,000 pledge. Get details at freestateproject.org. Uh, we're excited about it. Please I, do. I'm really hoping it makes it because we've only got about 10 more days in you which know, to make this happen. You know, I hate to be, um, I, I hate to put too much uh, emphasis on it, but. I believe that the Free State Project is the only hope for liberty in America, and I believe that without the first 1,000 succeeding, the Free State Project is going to take a huge hit. Like, it w- it's just going to be a terrible press for the Free State Project. I think project we could pull back. It. I think it'd be. I think we'd get over it eventually, but I, it'd be better to have it work than not. Absolutely better to have it work. So please, if you think you can make it by uh, December 31st of 2008, go sign up now. We All right. need to sign up. So here's a little more information about uh, doping teenagers. An estimated 840,000 fewer teens reported using illegal drugs now compared to five years ago, he said. John Walters, that is, the drug czar. The annual study in its 32nd year surveyed 50,000 students in the 8th, 10th, and 12th grades at more than 400 schools nationwide. It found that over the last year, illegal drug use at all three grade levels dropped if only slightly. An estimated 36.5% of high school seniors reported using illicit drugs at some point in the year. Marijuana remained the single most abused drug amongst teens, although its use dropped slightly within all three grades. Nearly 12% of 8th graders reported using it. That's more than 1 in 10 8th graders. Wow. Compared to 25% of 10th graders and 31% of high school seniors. Now, you got to wonder, they're extrapolating some numbers here, Mark. They're saying an estimated 840,000 fewer teens reported using illegal drugs, but they only surveyed 50,000 students in 8th, 10th, and 12th grades. So dividing that out, you've got uh, 3 into 50,000, you know, that's about, what, 17,000 uh, or so Sounds right. per, uh, per grade level, essentially, is mm-hmm. the number of students that they surveyed. 17,000 students isn't a lot of students to make, uh, to essentially create, paint a national picture um, of drug use. Well, it's not too too. It's not it's not too few. Especially if they choose uh, specific schools over others. Like, what if they chose the good schools? That's true. So we don't know what their methodology is right. here. You, this you is would the need government to, we're talking about. Would, um, these students would need to be spread out all, uh, over all fifty states. They would need to come from um, you know varying. Uh, economic backgrounds, varying religious backgrounds. And they don't get into the details on that, so I'm a little questioning towards the results here. And of course as we pointed backgrounds. And and of course as we pointed out, it all depends on who's being honest and who's not. Personally, if I was taking the test, I wouldn't have been honest. So I think the numbers are higher than they actually are. I love statistics, so I probably would have been. One third of eighth graders said they had consumed alcoholic beverages, one third of eighth graders. Thirty three percent of kids who are 13, well, 12, it, uh, consuming alcoholic beverages. If it's if it stated in that manner, I would have had to have said yes, too. But I didn't drink a beer until I was 15 or 16. Um, so I had a taste of some alcoholic beverages, That mean, meaning, therefore, that I had consumed them. I don't consider that a terrible thing, either. I, I want families to consume alcohol together. I want kids to learn how to property use, properly use oh, alcohol Oh, I do, too, but you homes. and I both know that they aren't properly um, learning these things in their own homes. Not They're some are, them some in, aren't. That most of them are learning them in dangerous places like uh, unsupervised parties. I because would say that's true. mom and dad refuse to address these issues, as we've discussed many a time. Anyway, the uh, one-third of eighth graders admitted to drinking alcohol compared to more than a half of tenth graders and two-thirds of seniors surveyed. 
So in four years' time, it goes from one-third to two-thirds. Wow. 66% of seniors uh, drinking. That was also a small decrease among the three gra- uh, grade levels. But the number of 10th and 12th graders who reported getting drunk increased slightly. Comparatively, the number of teens who got high for medicines and household items instead of illegal drugs was small. They included nearly 10% of high school seniors admitting to using excessive doses of Vicodin, a slight increase over last year. 9% of 8th graders sniffed glue, spray paints, cleaning fluids, or other inhalants. Mm. 9%. That's the worst. 3.6% of 10th graders got high off Ritalin, up two-tenths of 1%. That's statistically insignificant. Ritalin is used normally to combat effects of attention deficit disorder. That teens are turning to cough syrup to get high is particularly alarming, say experts, because the medicine is cheap and easy to get. Moreover, few people, uh, few people, teens and their parents alike, recognize the dangers of overdosing on the otherwise safe and legal drugs. So... The drug czar is touting this as a success. He's touting the fact that 66% of uh, high school seniors are drinking, that 33% of 8th graders are drinking. He's touting this as a success because maybe a percentage point knocked off. Dude, you cannot win this war on drugs. You cannot stop kids from engaging in these behaviors. What we should be doing is minimizing the harm that these kids are going to be experiencing. And I'm talking about, when I say harm, I don't just mean... Uh, getting drunk and getting a hangover or uh, or the dangers from using drugs. I also mean the harm of getting locked up in a jail cell at night. I think that's a real harm that we need to start uh, getting rid of in this country. And uh, once, of course, we can get to the point where we've got more responsible kids out there because they've been educated by their parents, because the system has been more honest with them about drugs, then maybe we won't be raiding high school parties and uh, essentially ruining all the kids' fun and throwing and their kids lives. In, and their lives and throwing them into jail cells. Speaking of people who've been thrown into jail cells recently, it's Lauren Canario calling from New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Lauren. Hey, nice to be back. Well, I bet it is. It is, it is nice to hear your voice. <laughs> so, hey, but uh, I'm free and I didn't have to plead guilty, so I'm pretty happy to. That's fantastic. I, I, you know what, Lauren? I wanted to invite you in here. Uh, to the studio when you get all rested and get a good meal in your belly and you've got some free time. We'd love to have you in and really get into the details on, on what happened to you, if that's something that you might want to participate in. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Cool. But briefly, while we have you here on the phone, um, you got out today. What precipitated this happening? I mean, it's been three months, almost three entire months that you've been sitting in a jail cell. Why today? There's been a lot of, uh, you know speculation as to the, what actually happened, but uh, all I really know is that uh, it was a complete surprise. They woke me up this morning and said, hey, you're going to court today, and uh, had them drag me out to the courtroom, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they they offered to, to drop uh, all but one charge, and yeah, that, that sounded okay to me, so I took it. So what was the one charge that uh, you were left with? They dropped trespassing and refusal to, to get fingerprinted, and they kept the... Uh, Misdemeanor charge, which was uh, interfering with a police officer. So at this point, uh, what was the penalty? I mean, was it time served on the uh, the misdemeanor? Yeah, it was time time served, and uh, there was a legal uh, technicality called the Alfort Doctrine, which I didn't have to plead guilty either. Lauren, I'm going to put you on hold, okay? Or actually, I'm going to have uh, them hold on to you there at the uh, the studio. Uh, we'll get back in touch with you here in a moment. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Sergio in Australia on the way. Your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. That does include archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Did I tell you? The website's free. You know those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you. For access to their site, we give it all away, freetalklive.com. And is there a young person that's important to you? Well, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. And that's only the credit card debt. Yeah. That's no way to start a life. Buy them a Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 1-800-657-5066. So Lauren Canario, we just got off the phone with her. I uh, had our board operator essentially check in with her. We're gonna, I'm going to call her during one of the breaks here. We're going to schedule an interview. We actually bring her in the studio, hopefully tomorrow night. It sounds like it's going to work out. So if you've had a question for Lauren... This is going to be the perfect opportunity for yeah. you. Uh, we're going to have her in here with headphones on, behind a microphone, and, of course, we've got plenty of questions on our own. But if you've got one of yours, uh, you should be uh, getting it together and uh, being ready to call in probably tomorrow night. Talk to Lauren Canario. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, this. I am, too. I, you know, I want to talk to Jim, too. I want to see uh, just how happy he is to have Lauren back. Indeed. So you can take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. We go to Australia land and talk to Sergio. Sergio, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Sergio? He just dropped. He is gone. Oh, so sorry about that. Well, you know, international connections, not so great sometimes. You know, I, I wanted to mention uh, about the uh, kid's journey is yeah. Jewel, Jewel uh, Thornton, um, the author, gave me an e- sent me an email today, and she says that she's sold over 50 books with the, uh, you know, short little, what, she's been on two weeks? Yeah, maximum two weeks. And uh, she says good. that the, uh, she loves the listeners, she loves the show, she listens to the show, and she's like a chief honcho at the, you know, for the, the government, I'm not going to reveal where or anything yeah. like that, but um, she listens in her office. At a government bureaucracy. At a bureaucracy. She's, she's a big wahoo there and uh, listens, listens right on air, and apparently we've been great for her. So, I think uh, that's fantastic. You know, the more people that support advertisers for Free Talk Live, the more advertisers will come along and the more success the show will have. And that means more people discovering the message of freedom and liberty, apparently even government bureaucracy. Uh, Absolutely. Bureaucrats. So, uh, Sierra Vista, Arizona, AP reporting a grandmother found with a trunk full of marijuana was convicted of drug running in what prosecutors said was an attempt to earn cash for a bingo habit. (laughs) State troopers found 10 bundles of pot, totaling 214 pounds, hidden in Leticia Villarreal Garcia's trunk, uh, car trunk last year, when they stopped her outside of Bisbee in far southeastern Arizona. Now, Villarreal told jurors, uh, again, 61 years old, that they convicted her, uh, before they convicted her Thursday, that her only regular income was a $275 monthly welfare check, but she frequently played bingo and occasionally won thousands of dollars. Prosecutor Doyle Johnston said the game was Villarreal's undoing. 
quote, people who play bingo almost every night of the week end up losing in the long run, said Johnston. The underlying issue is she's got a bingo problem, which is, explains why an otherwise nice person might get sucked into something like this. Now, hold on now that's an insult to everybody in the marijuana trade. <laughs> To suggest that only bad people get involved in the marijuana distribution business is outrageous. Well, um, besides the, the marijuana purveyors, I would also say, um, you know, what is he saying about the state lotto, by the way? Um, bingo, when it comes down to it, it seems to me, I don't know everything about playing bingo. I've, I've been in bingo halls when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. I would assume that you put uh, you know, money in and then there's a pot. So the house keeps 10%. I'm just guessing. Um, and then the other 90% gets kicked out into uh, the, the... The winner. The winner. Yeah. So if you continue to play, basically you're going to lose 10% of your money because statistically um, everybody's going to have a chance to win along the way and that's how the money's going to be um, evened out. But what about the state and its lotto? I'll tell you, the chances of winning that awful thing... Oh, yeah. Significantly, significantly lower. And so, there are people that are hooked on the lotto. Sure they go out and buy tickets every every week. I wonder if the lotto's driving little old ladies to uh, sell pot. And if so, um, what the bureaucrats would say about that, about their beloved lotto that's paying their paychecks. Jurors rejo- Which, uh, by the way, I, I, I know somebody's going to say, well, the lotto goes for education. Well, yes. The money from lotto does go to the education, but money that would have been spent on education doesn't go there. It, it goes gets elsewhere. rerouted elsewhere right. to bureaucrats' paychecks. I'm sorry, lotto pays bureaucrats. Yeah, the lotto is a scam. Now, I've seen states where, I think it was Alabama, I'm not 100% sure, it might have been Georgia, um, that in fact all the winnings go to a fund that gives um, scholarships to college students. I don't see how that would have been rerouted. That seems like a pretty good idea. But I still think that uh, if, if gambling on the lotto should be legal in the state, then all gambling should be legal. Why does the state have a monopoly? Well, because they're a gang. Yes, they are. Uh, all right. So jurors rejected Villarreal's argument that she'd been tricked into carrying the drugs. Yeah, that's – she might have been a mule. Like somebody might have offered a drug dealer. I mean, either she was a mule for these uh, for this marijuana – 214 pounds. Could happen. And she would have known it. There's no way you don't know it when you're dealing with that much marijuana, right? I mean, if she if she'd been given a bunch of pills, then she wouldn't necessarily know. If it was a pi- bunch of pills in a box, she wouldn't necessarily know because you can't could, smell pills. Could she? Um, could she? Could it be in her trunk that much? 214 pounds seems like a a lot, but I mean, could sure. It, Sure, it could be in her trunk. You could get 214 pounds in a trunk? Oh, yeah. Well, um, they could very well have said, hey, Grandma, drive this car from here to there. Here's 500 bucks, and don't say anything. I suppose if she didn't know what marijuana smelled like, maybe. <laughs> but you don't just, I mean, you don't... Uh, it smells funny in here. It's the air freshener. Shut I'd, up and drive the car. I don't know about you, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't just trust a, a 61-year-old woman with 214 pounds of marijuana the first run, Right. I mean, if you you want to make sure this woman's going to be trustworthy, don't you? Um, sure. That I'm not even saying that this, um, this is probably not her first, her first time. I'm right. not saying it is. Okay. I mean, she may have been, she may not have known exactly what was in the trunk, how much was in the trunk, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I suspect she knew she was doing something illegal, but you know, I she may not have known exactly what she was doing. The the only reason I, I one of the reasons I bring this up is because it's not unprecedented. Uh, we've had a story in the past about, remember there was a story where an old couple was arrested because they had a pound of marijuana in their freezer? Mm-hmm. They got raided and arrested for, uh, over that. Um, they were selling marijuana. It is not unusual 
for older people to supplement their income by selling drugs. Uh, or, in this case, moving drugs. It's not drugs. unheard of. No, it's absolutely not. In fact, I would guess it may happen a little more often than you might think. 800-259-9231, the toll-free number, the Packet 8 toll-free line as we return to Sergio in Australia. Trying again. Hello, Sergio. Hey, this is uh, Sergio from Australia. It I is. just was thinking about, um, you know, that drug survey. Why did they skip the 7th, 9th, and 11th grades? Like, do you think there was some statistical anomaly that favored the even numbers for their argument? No, I don't think so. I think that they probably uh, were just trying to avoid having to um, survey all those kids in all those grades. It was just easier to, to uh, increment. Pick, yeah, yeah, pick 8th, 10th, okay, and 12th. Yeah, makes sense. Um, also, uh, what I was calling in about was the... Um, your idea for renaming the Libertarian Party to something that makes a bit more sense. What's okay. that? And uh, like you were talking about, the idea of calling it the Freedom Party and things mm-hmm. like that. But freedom doesn't really work because you can't say I'm a Freetarian or a Freedocrat or Freepublican or something like that. It sounds a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't uh, really say something like um, you can't call yourself a particular name. You could say I'm a member of the Freedom Party, but you couldn't say um, I'm a Freeite. Yeah, yeah. And Val Venus, Sean Morley, also known as Val Venus, calling himself the Freetarian at Freetarian.com. So you could say that. Okay, I guess. Uh, and he can pull uh, it off because he's just awesome. I figured that anything that has the sound um, like Archie or Tarian or uh, Licken or uh, Krat in the end of it, it mm-hmm. sounds a bit sort of politically charged and doesn't really sound very good. Do you have a suggestion? So I think, sir? I was saying, do you have a suggestion? Uh, my suggestion is the minimal party. So your member are called the minimalist, or I'm a minimalist, and uh, the minimalist generally sounds like uh, something lean, small, uh, makes things that are uh, more efficient. Yeah, it also might sound like you don't want to do anything either. And okay, I yeah, I guess. Uh, Sergio, thanks for the call, uh, man. We appreciate the suggestion. Run it by the, bu- uh, the bulletin board system. I'd be interested to see what those guys think of that as well. 800-259-9231, the FCC, and the F word and the S word all on the way. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Your show, you take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800 800- Two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and we invite you to enjoy them at freetalklive.com. Though, if you like the show and you want to help support us, then we would like you to dig Free Talk Live. Head over to dig, D-I-G-G, dig.freetalklive.com. And you'll need to create an account. It's a free account with uh, the good people over at dig. And then once you've done that, at dig.freetalklive.com, you click Dig It on our show, and that'll help uh, that'll help move us up the rankings on the Dig podcast charts. Now, I actually have not yet looked today to see if we've had a nice little boost on that, uh, but we the more digs we get, the higher up we're going to go. So the more high the higher we go on the charts, the more listeners, the more new listeners we're going to attract. So great way to help the show. Takes you just a few moments. Dig D-I-G-G dot freetalklive dot we go to the phones to Sam in Texas on the amplifier line. Hello, Sam. Hey, guys. Hey, what's After on your mind? I'm calling you all from uh, Scotland. I took a trip down to Amsterdam for the weekend, and there's a couple stories I wanted to tell you from Are that. you talking right into your phone? Uh, yeah. Can you hear it okay? Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'll speak up. And uh, the first thing that, that happened that was really pretty notable was I got thrown out of a Dutch bar late at night. I walked in the door. And the whole place was just singing. People had their glasses raised. 
you know, the bartender was leading on the song, and I, I was just looked like an outsider, and he kind of waved me out and just said, you know, not for you, go on. Huh. And as I turned to leave, there was a girl passed out with her head down on the table, her arm reached out for her last beer, just asleep. <laughs> and I, you know, walked out the door, and I started thinking about it. A private business owner got to exercise choice and decide who comes in and who doesn't and who belongs and who doesn't. And then he also decided, you know, hey, if somebody passes out drunk on the table, I can leave them there and just kind of let them be. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, I guess. That was what's in the U.S. I mean, as soon as somebody goes to sleep, they have to be thrown out. Really? And we, you know, Absolutely. If you pass out in a bar, they'll either take you out or call the police. Huh, I didn't know. Is that a law, or is it just what most bar owners do in the United States? I've just, I've never seen it happen otherwise. They seem to be um, liable for anything that you do once you've had one beer at their bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would suspect that uh, there's probably some law or another that uh, says something like that. And Very then, good. of course, here in Texas, we've got the TABC going into the bars, arresting people just for being drunk. Have they started doing like, that again? We talked about it earlier this year, but we also read that they'd halted that activity. They're back up. They're back at it. Uh, no, I haven't seen anything lately. I mean, I'm just, I remember you guys covering it. Right. It yeah, that was pretty outrageous. So what are but, any other highlights from your trip to Amsterdam? Uh, the second one was just walking down the street. There was a guy playing a guitar, kind of humming a little bit. And I walked past that. And a little ways down the road, I heard this just voice of an angel singing. And it was a John Lennon tune that the guy was playing. And she just started singing it. And I turned around to just see a Dutch girl on her bike kind of ride by. And I thought, I'd never see that in the U.S. anymore. It's kind of one of the little casualties of a police state that you know we've sort of become over the last few years. Wait, you say you'd, ne- you'd never see somebody singing on their bicycle? In the United States, just of, of somebody driving or just riding by just happened to sing out like that? It certainly does seem a little unusual. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that it's a police state. I just think it's because Americans are afraid of one another. And I think it's because of things are so clamped down and you just can't do anything out of the ordinary to stand up without, you know, getting nailed back down. So was this your first time in Amsterdam? No, about the fifth. Oh, okay. So uh, I take it you've been into the coffee shops before. Um, Have you partaken in the legal marijuana? Sure. Actually, I guess it's hash, isn't it? Uh, They have both, and then they have mushrooms over there as well. Mushrooms are legal there? Uh. Well, I don't know if any of it's legal because of international law. They tolerated? But it's, yeah, the police basically tolerate it. They wow. also have, um, they, they just don't enforce it. They have hard drugs and soft drugs. So you, wait, wait, you can go into, wait, let me see if I understand you here. You can go into a coffee shop and purchase mushrooms from the business, or are they just being dealt on the street level? No, from the business, yeah. Wow. And then also some of the... Like what you would consider a smoke shop over here that has the grinders and pipes and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They'll have a little refrigeration unit with them in there. What all, uh, You say other hard drugs are tolerated. What else uh, can you get? Well, there's uh, on the street, there's pretty much anything. There's people that um, will just yell out you know, cocaine or ecstasy or whatever as you're just walking by. Wow. Did you feel in danger then, as a result of any of this? Not at all. Uh, the whole city is really safe, and... The first two days, I didn't see any police. And they, I mean, there's hmm. another thing with the drugs. They have 
a church there that actually sells heroin to the addicts, gives them a needle, lets them shoot up, right. and then they go off on their way to work. So they're functional. They're functional heroin addicts, is what you're saying. Yeah, they're they're able to go out and contribute to society rather than robbing and stealing. So wait, are you telling what you're telling me, Sam, is from your five experiences now in Amsterdam that the society has not crumbled to the ground as a result of uh, at least tolerated drug use? Absolutely not. In fact, there's very few uh, like break-ins over there, uh, just Mm. because there's kind of an unwritten agreement that. If a junkie needs money, they'll just steal somebody's bicycle, and it's just kind of tolerated, but that's the exchange for not going in and actually taking property. Wow. Bicycle stealing tolerated? Apparently. <laughs> well, great. Um, <laughs> I've got to say that uh, I think that the uh, it, you know they still have a black market in heroin and that sort of thing there, and that's driving up the prices, and the junkies wouldn't true. be stealing the bikes. That, that's true, but nonetheless, interesting uh, progression that they've made there, at least, Mark, and, mm-hmm. and to, uh, mushrooms even uh, being sold in shops. That's just incredible. Are you, um, are you allowed to dose on them in the business, or do you have to take them home? Uh, I don't think the business would really care. So, uh-huh. I, I mean, you can eat them right there. And there's one of the, there's one of the canals in the main RLD has three bulldogs along it, and I think the third one has mushrooms that, you know, you What's can What's a bulldog? There. Is that a type of bar? It's one of the famous coffee shops. I see. Wow, so, that is tremendous. Um, how about the red another, light district? Did you, uh, did you go, uh, go to that? Uh, yeah, I did. There, one of the shops in there, there were two girls talking in English. I thought they were talking about the movie Borat, but... It ended up, she was talking about the junkies that are there. A lot of them, she believed, came from Poland. And they would tell people, though, that they're from Amsterdam. But I think the tolerance, I guess, on the drugs there makes them easier to get. So it draws in junkies from other regions. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, that makes perfectly good sense if there was one state in the United States where um, drugs were completely legal and um, the rest of them, they, they punished them greatly. Oh, that would just draw all the heroin addicts and the cocaine addicts and the people that were um, truly invested in their lives in doing drugs. They would uh, that would draw them to that state. Maybe it would, but at least they wouldn't be knocking over uh, convenience stores to get uh, to get their fix anymore. Yeah, but these people, um, the people that are that thoroughly invested, are mostly like bums. You know, I mean, maybe they would uh, get into a you know real lifestyle once they had gotten to that. Well, state. if they're bums, if they're bums and it's New Hampshire, then it's going to get a little bit cold. Yeah, eventually. they'll die. Um, so, hey, man, any other highlights from your trip? Anything else you wanted to share with us? Very good stuff so far. Uh, gosh. I'll, I'll call back another time. All right, man. Thanks very much. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from you, Sam. 800-259-9231. Just a fascinating place. Just an amazing, uh, amazing stories that I hear from people uh, that have visited over there. And I guess I had heard from a few friends that mushrooms were tolerated, but I didn't realize that it had gotten to the point where they were offered in the shops for purchase. That's what I thought that was the case. I mean, we're talking about hallucinogenic, psychoactive mushrooms. You are tripping, essentially. Now, I've never actually done mushrooms. Uh, Mark, have you? No, not done psilocybic mushrooms, no. Um, but you know, I do like them on my pizza, however. No, you don't. Regular Not mushrooms. psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> oh, no. no. Uh, but in, uh, in the United States, mushrooms... You can get them pretty much two ways. Uh, a lot of kids, younger people, will go trespassing on people's property, which, of course, results in inevitably property damage. Uh, but the kids will go trespassing and they'll go mushroom picking, which, of course, seems a little risky to me, considering the huge variety of mushrooms that are out there. 
you, you really have to know how to identify what you're looking at before you put it in your body because what we're talking about is poison. I mean, psilocybin is poison. Yeah. And uh, if you don't get the right mushroom, you don't know what sort of fungi you're going to be ingesting. It could be deadly. So mushrooms are can be uh, you know mushrooms are all different kinds of poisonous and uh, the psilocybin ones happen to uh, make you trip by you know the other ones could just make you sick or kill you. But if you're buying a mushroom in a coffee shop in Amsterdam, you can pretty much bet that they didn't go to a field to pick them. They're being grown in labs. They're being very uh, they're being custom grown with custom chemicals, custom fungi, and it's all being done as safely as possible. So, fascinating stuff. Thanks for that call, Sam. 800-259-9231. Out number three is on the way. I said we were going to talk about the FCC. There's a trial going on, and actually the judges in this trial are sort of on our side. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark? You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so do enjoy it. freetalklive.com. We'll get into the FCC here in a moment, but we've got to go to the phones to the fun to start things out here with Matthew in Massachusetts on the amplifier line. Hello, Matthew. Gentlemen. Hey, How are you what, doing? Good. Hey. What's on your mind? Uh, I was just calling to, I'm surprised I hadn't heard you guys play uh, talk about this in the last couple of episodes, uh, but there's uh, proposing, I think it's the uh, House, or um, uh, the representatives anyway, are proposing a trans fat ban for the whole state of Massachusetts. Oh, yes. Yeah. They're, uh, uh, I, I actually had heard of that, and I think somebody mentioned it uh, during one of the, the recent episodes. And I just, sort of, oh, okay. I just sort of threw it to the side. I figured, well, you know, we've just talked about the New York trans fat ban. It just seemed to uh, – yeah. at that time, I felt like all it really needed was just a mention. But uh, they're pretty much doing the same thing, right? Well, was it, isn't the New York – isn't that just in Manhattan, or is that the entire state? Because this is the entire state. Of no, it's the city of New York. City New York, of New York City. Yeah. So it's not just Manhattan. So oh, it isn't. It isn't. No, it's okay. the, well, the, what I'm I meaning is it's not. It's not the state of New York. It's just the city. That's of correct. New York. It's New York City, but you're saying it's okay. the entire state of Massachusetts yeah. that's going to ban trans fats. Right. This is well according to the. You know, they want the uh, several of the politicians and uh, a lot of the hospitals apparently are are behind this, and that that was like disgusting when really? I, uh, I was reading. Yeah, some of these officials at the, at the various hospitals in Boston uh, were. Uh, going on about how great, how great this is that, that, that the uh, oh, politicians are doing this. So what's on and the table? Are they going to ban it from uh, from all restaurants? Are they going to ban it? Are you not going to even be able to go and buy margarine anymore? I mean, how far are they going to go with it? I think it's just, I think it's restaurants, but I'm not uh, and I'm thinking it's um, I'm not sure what the like how far that go, how far it goes yet? I haven't. Uh, well, either way, how f- however far it yeah. goes, I think you're going to find out that this is the beginning of an opening of a Pandora's box. Um, New York City has opened that box. Chicago banning foie gras. Actually, I've got a story about that. Uh, the which is actually it's being ignored. But nonetheless, different cities banning different cooking products. It's going to be. It's just going to be a matter of time before they start adding more products to the list, right? We're going to have a whole banned list of things that you're not allowed to use in your business. 
And, and then how long is it going to be before you can't use them in home either? Yeah, I'm wondering when the FDA is going to get into it and uh, and say that there's a federal ban on some product. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's a lot easier for them to go after the businesses because of their business license. Mm-hmm. And you, you pull that license, and then it's illegal um, for them to operate. No one no one would even care why it was illegal. It's just their business license was pulled. And then, um, you know, the cops come in and uh, shut you down if you try to um, stay open after that. Individuals don't have, I have licenses. To wonder when it's, I have to wonder when it's, this is going to go like some kind of thing against uh, um, against uh, just having you know it's like a national prohibition against trans fat. I can see it happening. I mean, that's what these yeah. bureaucrats use uh, bad laws as an excuse to create more bad laws. I mean, we heard it was Newt, Gring, Newt Gingrich earlier this week. You weren't here for the show. It was when uh, Gardner and Wayne were here on Monday night. We were playing cri- uh, clips. From Newt Gingrich saying, "Well, well, because uh, John McCain passed this campaign finance law, which uh, restricts freedom of speech with politics. Freedom of speech is already restricted, so we might as well restrict speech here." He was using the fact that speech is already restricted as an excuse to restrict more speech. Same thing here. Oh, yeah. You're going to see the yep. uh, the federal government going to say, "Well, looks like New York and Massachusetts have successfully." Banned trans fat. Everybody's healthier now as a result. So let's do it nationwide. It's not very hard to envision at all. Not at all. So Matthew, all right. well, uh, thank you for the call, man. We really appreciate well, hearing from you. Thanks. See you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We're not far away from that. Not I, far. I shudder to think, but you know, I, it, it could very well happen. Look what happened with seatbelts. It just was slid in on us. I mean, sooner, sooner. I mean, the, the next few steps could be kind of uh, frightening. I mean, it's frightening as is, but Mm -hmm. if there's a national ban on trans fats, then they're going to pick on something else after that, something else unhealthy, something else unpopular. And then how far are we away from them actually dictating menu items? Like, you got that food pyramid thing? Well, how far are we from saying, all restaurants must serve according to the food pyramid? You must serve one helping of vegetables, or no, five helpings of vegetables, one piece of meat, you know, eat Or your RFID chip uh, being encoded with what you've had to eat that day or that week. Oh, boy. And then you being uh, required to, you know, when you go out, you're not allowed to order anything but uh, leafy green vegetables or whatever because you've used up your meat quotient for the day or week. Yeah, or the hospital auditing you um, to, to where they know what you've eaten all week long, and therefore, you know... Don't get to, or you pay full price because you were eating something you weren't supposed to be eating. Anyway, all of these things could happen. 800-259-9231 with these power-mongering nanny status, these mommy knows better than you, these people that are in office. Scary stuff, man. I would agree. And all the more reason to get involved with the Free State Project because freedom, uh, the last chance is happening in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And uh, really, there's no other chance anywhere else. I'm I'm pretty much convinced of it. I'm I'm, I'm totally convinced. There is a little bit of good news for freedom, though. Uh, according to NewYorkDailyNews.com, yesterday morning on live television on the staid cable network C-SPAN, judges and attorneys repeatedly used the F-word and the S-word, huh? and even some longer but equally volatile words. It was important, but that made it no less entertaining. They were discussing Nicole Ritchie, Cher, Saving Private Ryan, and award shows, the CBS Early Show, and newscasts, and what words were and were not appropriate on broadcast television. The occasion was an hour and 20 minutes of oral arguments in the case of Fox Broadcasting versus the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, broadcasted live from New York's U.S. Court of Appeals Second Circuit. 
At issue was the FCC's revised uh, revised standard of decency for over-the-air television. The court, in its wisdom, let uh, television cameras capture and relay this most germane of communications issues. Okay, so it wasn't exactly Watergate, and the program would have been uh, enlivened by a sudden appearance of, say, William Shatner's Denny Crane from Boston Legal. (laughs) Even so, yesterday's special edition of U.S. Legal had plenty of arguments to consider. Each side went to bat with a single counsel, Carter Phillips for the network point of view, and Eric Miller for the FCC. Rating their performances in court in television terms was easy. Phillips was solid without being showy. Phillips is the Fox guy. Right. And the much younger Miller... Never knew what hit him. What hit him most of all was Judge Rosemary Pooler. The other judges with her, especially Pierre Laval, all made Miller squirm as he tried to defend the FCC's strong stance against, quote, fleeting expletives, unquote. Pooler, though, let Miller talk just long enough to dig himself several holes, (laughs) then buried him in them. When Miller explained that the FCC policy was crafted largely to uh, protect young children from indecent language, Pooler asked why the FCC wasn't similarly concerned about violence. And when he uh, said broadcast television should be regulated differently than cable because it was more pervasive and argued some children had broadcast televisions in their bedrooms, Pooler argued that any parent who allowed an unmonitored television in a child's room was already abdicating responsibility. I would concur. Saying, quote, you want to protect those children even when their parents are lax, she told him. The slippery standards were made clear to anyone who watched yesterday. Cher uttering an obscenity live on the Billboard Music Awards? Unacceptable to the FCC. That same utterance by Cher, if played, replayed on broadcast news putting these very Fox versus FCC hearings in context, protected as news. But if the FCC seeks to protect children from any exposure, then why is the news safe? Is it because kids don't watch the news? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. The FCC doesn't make sense, and their policies definitely don't make sense. And this judge proved it in the courtroom the other day. And uh, I say right on to uh, Judge Rosemary Pooler. Thank, thank you for at least taking some sort of a stand towards freedom of speech. I wish there was uh, and responsibility. I wish there was somebody arguing freedom there in that courtroom, and uh, it'd yeah, be well, interesting to see how that would come out. Yeah, we take what, you take what you can get, I suppose. But the FCC didn't have persuasive answers to most of the tough questions post, uh, posted yesterday. Seeing the questions posed, though, was a blast, according to David Beyond Cully. So, if, you know, if this is an indicator of what's to come, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this judge will overturn the FCC's decision on profanity in this case. And that's a good thing. Because individuals should be responsible, parents should be responsible for what their children consume. Not broadcasters. More's on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet's 8.net, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. And that, is, uh, that does include the wiki 
wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And for more information as well, go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. More uh, speakers being announced uh, every day almost, not every day, but very frequently uh, for the Liberty Forum. Just uh, breaking news, I guess, as of yesterday, Rob Campia from the Marijuana Policy Project, now scheduled as a speaker. Of course, Jim Babka also going to be there from uh, our friend Jim Babka from DC.org. The uh, Jack Cole from Leap, uh, Sharon Harris from the Advocates for Self-Government, John Stossel, of course, headlining the entire event with a Saturday night speech. And our um, Michael Badnarik, one Michael of our Badnarik's favorites. Michael going to be there. Uh, Bill Westmiller from the Republican Liberty Caucus. Yes, yes, he is. He's going to be there as well. So uh, quite, a, quite a crew. I can't wait to see Bill. Very interesting, very uh, important personalities, important people in the fight for liberty. So it's going to be great. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of synergy at this event. And, and I'm predicting it's going to be one of the biggest uh, liber- liberty-oriented events that is, that's out there, especially in its first year. Yeah, of all time. I mean, you know, Stossel's there. Never happened before. That's true. You're right about that. All right, so I said we were going to get to this email from uh, Dylan about underage and foreign workers. He says, hey, guys, I catch the show on the web each day as I'm living in France, and the time difference is a killer at this time of year as far as listening live. He says, I'm sure that I'm not your only Australian fan, but perhaps the only Aussie fan living in France. I suspect. Mm. I was listening today to the show about the law enforcement bulletin board and forum, and something that was mentioned just in passing got me to thinking. I think it was Mark that made the point that convicted felons can't vote, but they must still pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Now, this was presented as something unfair, and truth be told, I think it probably is. If you've done your time, paid your debt, and are back out working to build yourself a better life, you should be encouraged to be a part of the society and not discouraged by being told that you no longer have a say in government. And I agree completely. And, uh, you know, uh, the, I, don't know and I don't understand what the concern is here. Why is it that we are scared of felons voting? Are felons going to vote? Are there so many felons out there that um, they're going to vote in criminals? If there are that many felons out there, what we need is different laws because you know most people are good the vast majority of people are good and they're not um, committing crimes that hurt people if there's that many felons out there what the heck are we scared of i well i, I think it could be argued that we're voting in criminals with or without the felons well i would say that uh, we're voting in criminals anyway simply because um you know taxes are theft but right and power attracts those in search of it it's just wrong to make um to to a guy gets out, serves his time, he's off probation um, and all that other stuff. You might be able to make an argument for probation. I don't know what it is precisely, but uh, you might be able to make an argument for probation. But if he's off probation, off parole, off house arrest, all that other stuff. Supposed he, to be a free man again. Yeah, he's, he's done his time. Let him enter society and as a full participant. Or exempt him from taxes. Yeah, one of the that two. That would be fair, right? Yeah, but they're not going to do that. Of course they're not. Uh, but he says, Dylan says, a wider point came to mind, and I was wondering if you could give a libertarian perspective on two hypothetical situations. Oh, boy, we love hypotheticals. We do get lots of hypotheticals around here. Situation A, a 14-year-old kid flipping burgers at McDonald's will work and pay taxes for four years before they have the right to vote, 
as to where their taxes are spent. Now, by the way, when you're voting, you aren't actually – you're very rarely ever voting on where your taxes are spent. What you're voting on is the bureaucrat or elected official which, that will then decide – Which jerk will then uh, steal your taxes. Right. Uh, should we extend 14-year-old workers a vote? Extend the franchise to all workers or let people work tax-free until they're 18? I would go with the latter. Like, if I had to choose one or the other, presuming the system exists and it does, and uh, and I feel bad for kids. This is something that I, I had an issue with when I was a teenager. It was pointed out to me at that time, and I agree. If you're working and you can't vote, that is taxation without representation, mm-hmm. similar to the felons. Taxation without representation is one of the reasons why we fought the Revolutionary War. Right. It's so, the, the, it was the, the, the uh, rallying cry, as it were. Um, it seems to me now that's the situation where they shouldn't be paying taxes. If you I agree, uh, a minor shouldn't be paying taxes. A felon, you know, if if adults are going to have to pay taxes, then the felon should have to pay taxes. But um, he should be able to vote. But they want the, no, the which reason, awful thief is going to take the taxes from him. The reason they want kids to pay taxes, though, Mark, is to indoctrinate them at an early age. Get used to that, it. Yeah, get used to it. This is what you've got to do every year, kids. You want to work? You want to make money? Well, you've got to pay taxes. But what about voting? I think he brings up an excellent point. Section B, or Scenario B, foreign workers who come to the United States to work on a contract basis, for example, who pay U.S. taxes but have no right to vote. The U.S. Constitution explicitly excludes non-citizens from voting, but explicitly includes foreign nationals working in the United States for tax purposes. So, should workers paying taxes in the United States have the right to vote as to where those taxes are spent through voting? Should they be? Uh, should they get to work tax free, or should they just accept their lot and apply for the green card lottery? Again, mm. what would a libertarian position be? I don't know what the libertarian position is. Um, the libertarian position is no taxes. The well, libertarian position is no one should be paying taxes. I think the taxes. Personally, I think the taxes should be voluntary. Um, you know. In most cases, then they, are, they aren't taxes. I understand what you're saying. They're voluntary contributions, which I, I have no problem with. I understand. Um, I think the taxes, um, the taxes that do exist, should exist in like the excise fashion, um, in the sense that uh, not on your income or anything like that, but on purchased products. For instance, um, if we're going to leave roads in the hands of the government, then gas tax would go to pay for the roads, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's certainly a superior system and one that would be along the way to getting rid of taxes. It's superior entirely. in that it only affects those utilizing that particular product. Right. As opposed now, to this across the board, everybody who works, everybody and pays. if you don't want to pay the taxes, you don't have to use the product. Unfortunately, it is coercive in the uh, sense that if you want to open a business that sells gasoline, you have to... Yes, it's coercive on the business owner. Correct. And that's wrong. And uh, it, it, it is but wrong. But it would be a nice step on it the road towards liberty. a darn nice step. Uh, so, yes, the libertarian position, I mean, it, again, with his questions, if I had to answer, let's see, should workers paying taxes in the U.S. have the right to vote? Uh, probably not, but they should certainly be working tax-free, as everyone should be working tax-free. I'm not, I'm not sure of that. I don't think it should be as difficult to become an American citizen as... Uh, um, perhaps they make it, you know, like all this time waiting and this, that, I don't and the see other. why anyone would want to be an American citizen. What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's all this time waiting, all this effort you have to put into becoming this American citizen. And, of course, the definition of citizen is that you owe an allegiance to the government. And I don't see why anyone would want to owe an allegiance to this terrible government that we have. It's a terrible group of people. I don't want to owe them allegiance. And I don't, because I never signed any agreement that said that I would. 
Well, you know. Uh, so why somebody wants to uh, get into that situation, I don't know. Well, there's uh, you, we're sort of working under this really theater- theoretical thing, and I'm um, looking at uh, you know making s- steps along the way that uh, reduce the size of government. Seems to me that there should be a uh, you know a, a citizenship you know so there'd be um, you know citizen Ian or citizen Jane or whoever, uh, but you know I think that uh, only American citizens should be able to vote. And yeah. uh, that there, sh- but it should be relatively easy if you can pass the tests in order to be a citizen. Then ha- there you go. Well, once we get back to our, once we get to the free market, then political voting will be gone, and only people will be voting with their dollars. That's the best way to vote. More's on the way. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark? 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, including updates. You get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Head over to updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list that is updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, I'm in the midst of uh, typing up an update as we speak. Mark. Really? What are we updating people about? Well, it's rare that we announce guests on the program, but mm-hmm. I think we can pretty much count on Lauren Canario showing up tomorrow night. So yeah. I'm going to update people on that because I think it's going to be a pretty important interview. All right. So, uh, yes, updates.freetalklive.com. And does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your accounts receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. You know, it's not just uh, people that uh, own businesses that would be able to uh, help SACL. It's, um, you know, and and consequently Free Talk Live. It's people that uh, work for businesses that need collections done. They can tell their bosses. That's a great point. There you go. SACL CAI. All right, so uh, back to the email box here, Mark. I know you want to tell me about hybrid marijuana, but uh, I want to go to Jessica's story first. She emails in a uh, bad cop story saying, Hi, first I want to say I love your show. I listen to the podcast every day at work, and then I catch up on the weekend show on Mondays. But anyway, I wanted to share why I dislike police. I'm raised in Boston, Massachusetts, being of mixed race, black Italian, and all my life, uh, and all my life was raised in a pretty good neighborhood, never committed any crimes, and was basically a pretty good girl. Never arrested, never had any problems with the police. I actually liked the police and thought they did a pretty good job of protecting me until one day at about 22 years old, I was on my way to work with a co-worker, and we got, being, uh, we got pulled over for being black while driving. Yes, in that's the morning right. going to work? Yep. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, this is this happens all across the country. People are targeted by the police for the way they look. Anyway, she says I couldn't believe how the police were talking to my coworker. So then he asked me for my information, and I told him my name. I didn't understand why he was asking. He shortly came back and asked me to step out of the car. When I stepped out and he asked what and asked what for, he pinned me onto the car. What? And continued to put handcuffs on me. Or, of course, I flinched, being scared and not knowing what was going on. He said, you jerk back again and I'll restrain you. I said, why are you handcuffing me? He told me I was being arrested 
and when I asked what for, he said, we'll explain it to you at the station. Hmm. Crying all the way to the station, the cop telling me kept telling me that I had warrants in all these cities, and to stop crying because he didn't want to hear it, and I kept telling him, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong person. I don't commit crimes. So we got to the station, my mugshot was taken, I was fingerprinted, and then I was brought to a desk where a guy took my information. So I asked him what I was being arrested for. He told me I had prostitution warrants in three cities. Oh, well, I suspect that's a case of mistaken identity, right? And so then I asked him to read me the description of the person that was supposed to be me. He described a white female with blue eyes and blonde hair, 5'2", 110 pounds. Now, Thanks. I'll be going now. Please mind you, I'm 5'7", and over 170 pounds, light-skinned with dark hair and dark eyes. Remember, she's black Italian. Half black, right. Uh, so I proceeded to say, well, doesn't that mean anything to you? Obviously, you have the wrong person. He stood up, slammed his fist on the desk, and told me to stop being a smartass. What? I was then locked in a cell, still not... Stop being a smartass? I mean... They're looking for a white lady. She's not entirely, at least. Locked in a cell, uh, let's see, still not knowing what I had done. I was then take, uh, taken to a courthouse where I was told that a judge would decide my fate. I stayed in the courthouse, and then I was, uh, was told that I wasn't able to see a judge until the next day. God. Mind you, it was 10 a.m. in the morning. I spent the night in jail, which wasn't the greatest experience for a geeky, not-street-smart girl like myself. That can be a bit of a shock to a system, I could imagine. Yeah. And then, finally, the next day, I was able to see a judge who said, why is she here? And dismissed the warrants and the case. Come to find out, some common streetwalker just happened upon my name, and nothing else matched. She wasn't even the, the same, it wasn't even her name? No, I mean, it was her name. What probably happened was a streetwalker told the cops that, my name's Jessica so-and-so. Just happened to pick her name out. I see. Well, that's what I mean. Randomly. Is, is it wasn't the, the, the hooker wasn't even named the same as she was. It was just an alias the hooker was using. Right, and she that's was what it sounds like. for that. Yeah. And, you know, what do they do about it? I mean, did she get compensated for missed time at work? Did she get uh, compensated for what, what was obviously a terrible experience sitting in the uh, drunk tank with everybody in there? No. I don't think so. She I doesn't go into that. Seriously. It's very unlikely. There, of course, of course, she didn't. Nobody would. They She'd let her be go. lucky to get an apology from the judge. You know, and, and d- d- does the cop who clearly wasn't doing his job, mm-hmm. didn't do any police work here, did he have to spend the night in the um, spend a day in jail? Nope. No. Was he punished? Was his pay doc? No. 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 In fact, that's just it. Sorry. Whoops. Messed up. Oh, See you later, but Mark. They're here to serve and protect us. Now, does she feel served? Does she feel protected? No, I don't I'm think I'm just outraged. One. Well, yeah, and you weren't even the one arrested for this. She says, so the streetwalker happened upon my name, nothing else matched, and they arrested me. Every uh, commanding officer and cop that I spoke to treated me like a criminal before I was proven to be guilty. And that's why I don't like cops anymore. From Jessica. You know, who can blame her for that? I and can't believe the guy said, stop being a smartass when she said, hey... This uh, is these warrants are for, for a white lady. Yeah, with blue Amazing. eyes. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your uh, police hell story, or if you're a police officer and you want to make an excuse for that uh, that type of behavior, how you could, I don't know. I mean, what's the excuse for that? That's just slop. That's just sloppy police work, and plain and simple. See, the thing is, is if you do a poor job at your job and and in the uh, free sector, you know, the marketplace, mm-hmm. then. 
you'll be You're out. fired at some yep. point or another. Well, J- um, Julia I mean, this and is I, a huge indiscretion. Julia, it doesn't matter. Julia and I were out today after she got off work. We went to the post office because they had to ship a package, and uh, and I had to ship it through the post office. So don't blame me for it. Okay. Um, anyway, went through the post office, and she commented because the lines. If you've been in the post office before, you know there's usually a line, especially this time of year. And actually, the lines weren't too bad at the time of day we went to. But the service was what she commented on. That was that if she was working at her job and there was only one register open and a line at that register, there would be somebody on the floor, lickety-split, opening up a second register to take some of those people off that line. Sure they they would. they don't do it at the post office. They don't have to. Right. They They don't have a monopoly. Well, semi-monopoly. Darn they have a monopoly on first-class mail, and that consequently uh, means that they get all kinds of, uh, you know, benefits. They get all kinds of uh, extra money from the feds. I mean, yes, yeah. the post office supposedly makes money, but that's not a, that's on paper. There's all kinds of money that they get from the federal government in order to uh, or benefits, you know, land, buildings, things like that. Um, they don't have to pay the pensions of their employees. Huge pensions. So that by same the way. lack of tra- uh, that same lack of incentive. That lack of uh, desire or need to satisfy customers translates over to the police department even worse because the police department definitely has a monopoly mm-hmm. on the protection business. Yeah, they don't install locks. I mean, there's that side of the tr- protection industry. But as far as um, getting unwanted people off of your property, with the exception of uh, some, a few instances of private security doing that sort of thing, it's, it's pretty much the police. And they don't care how you're treated. And it doesn't matter. We've seen story after story of police malfeasance, police being just bad, and having virtually next to no consequences come about as a result of it. They are protected all the way up in the ranks in some cases. It's just amazing listening to the upper executive administrators making excuses for the behavior of their officers. And in this case, all we had was Jessica's story. We didn't actually get to hear the police's side of the story on this. I would love to hear what their excuse was. I'd love to hear from that guy that pounded his fist on the desk as to what exactly was going through his mind at that point. What, did you think she uh, dyed her skin brown? He probably wouldn't even feel comfortable letting her go at that point. You know, yes, she has to go through the system. Now she's been processed. Oh, yeah, you've got to be processed all the way through. You can't just let somebody out. They have their system. They have their ways of doing things. And, and uh, heaven screw forbid, freedom and, str- and screw justice. Right. Heaven forbid you do the right thing. 800-259-9231. They're not, it's not their job to do the right thing. It's their job to enforce the law. Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Only moments remain here. And this is the Thursday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. Though I'm kind of burning through some emails here, Mark. They've been stacking up on me yet again. And so I'm going to continue with some more emails here shortly. But first, I want to invite you to our website. Enjoy all the features there because they are completely free. Though the website does cost us money to operate. So we're asking you for voluntary contributions. Because you get all the features up front. This is above and beyond all that. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, like over 300 of our listeners have done, uh, for as little as $3 a month. 
Now, in comparison to those other radio shows, they want to charge you five, six, seven dollars a month up front before you can even access their features. We give away all the features, and we're just asking you for a little bit of help. Amp.freetalklive.com. The reason why you also want to help out is because, well, if you value the message that Free Talk Live has, which is probably one of the reasons why you're listening. If you value the message and you want to have other people get turned on to this show and the message of freedom and liberty, then that's one of the reasons to do this because AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. You send in that $3, we turn it around into buying advertising for the show, getting more radio stations on board, getting more internet listeners on board, and thereby spreading freedom. And that's it. It doesn't go for any. It doesn't go for paychecks or anything like that. It goes for advertising, marketing, promoting Free Talk Live. Very simple. You get some perks as well. Head over to AMP. .freetalklive.com to learn more as we go back to the email box here uh, from John. He emails in a quick question. You guys said that Southern California was a socialist state run by a few white guys. Now, what is New Hampshire about? Why would New Hampshire be a libertarian state? Is Governor John Lynch a libertarian? What's the difference between the two for you? Um, it, under Is he talking about currently? Uh-huh. Well, New Hampshire is uh, significantly freer than, say, Southern California because it doesn't have as many taxes and as many regulations. Yeah, I mean, just one simple example. I mean, there's obviously there's no sales tax. There's no income, state income tax here either. But just a simple example of how much freer you are, as soon as you cross the New Hampshire border, if you want, you can throw off your, uh, your seatbelt. You can strap on a handgun. Yeah, that's right. You could uh, take off your helmet if you're on a bicycle. Yeah. Or, or motorcycle. Motorcycle, yeah. So just a few minor examples. I mean, you know, those that's more freedom and less socialist, therefore. Right. But he's bringing up Governor John Lynch because he is a Democrat. And so, you know, comparing California, state full of Democrats. I type, don't think you can compare a California Republican to a um, New Hampshire Democrat. Absolutely not. I, I just think that, uh, the, you know, New Hampshire Democrats understand freedom. Maybe, I don't know, they're, they're making some suggestions, but... We're moving people here in order to forestall movement of, um, you know, this state towards socialism. They're all going that way, my friend. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all, so- they're all socialist. Um, New Hampshire's socialist, but it's not as socialist as Southern California. And um, we're already having a lot of success or some successes in stopping movements towards socialism um, with just 150 movers. You know, if liberty is uh, is as infectious or close to as infectious as socialism is, we're going to have just a fine time here in this state. Because I don't think what John under I don't think John understands. I don't think he's actually been to New Hampshire. And uh, you and I now, having lived here for over three months at this point, uh, approaching four months now, I think that we can pretty much say that yeah, the type of people that live here, the the general, the average New Hampshire individual is so much more liberty-minded than anyone else anywhere that I've ever met. I think that's a fair statement to make. It's just such a different mindset up here than what they have out in California. It's just, I mean, I've never been to California, but I've lived in Florida, and that's kind of like the eastern California. When I was uh, in Florida, I had a roommate, and he got the liberty thing, right? And he was with me on uh, being a libertarian. He'd read, actually, a couple of libertarian books. He then moved to California, and this is why I say if liberty is as infectious as socialism. He then moved to California for a few years. He's still out there, and he's actually a member of the Free State Project, and I believe we can bring him back under the fold. But I was pretty shocked when he came back to Florida for a visit and was talking about how he thought the beaches should all be government-owned. Uh, apparently out in California, if as I understood it, you could, if you're a bum, 
go out and sleep on the beaches and everything's cool with that. Great. Just what we need. Right. Bums taking a crap in the sand. Right. Um, so he had gone out as a as a fairly liberty-minded individual and had been infected by the socialism that surrounded him out there. Now, he didn't become a total um, out-and-out socialist, but nonetheless, I could detect the difference in him. Sure. So you take If you that, want the government to own anything, you become more socialist. Right. You take that um, shift from a liberty individual, liberty-minded individual to a somewhat socialist um, thinker, thinking individual, and you apply that to the entire state, everybody's sort of feeding off of one another's socialist ideas. There's a, it's a totally different world. Not only is it thousands of miles away, but mentally... Uh, it is a totally different world. Right. I mean, how many in Southern California, what community would even consider private trash pickup? That's just about the whole state here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Is it the whole state here in New Hampshire? Anyway, 800-259-9231. It is here where we live, which was pretty shocking to me. I didn't expect that. And I was mighty pleased by that. I thought it was pretty cool. It could, you can go and load your du- uh, your trash in the back of your truck, take it to the dump yourself if you want to, which is how you'll have to do it unless you have an agreement with a pickup company. Or call up, uh, I called five different uh, trash companies, Mark. And you could price them against each other. And that's exactly what I did, and I went with the cheapest one. And their service is great. Their service is better than the government monopoly one that we had down in uh, down in Florida. Mm-hmm. So, again, two completely different worlds. So what's the difference between California and New Hampshire? Just about everything, I would say. I don't know about just about everything. I, I, to say that New Hampshire doesn't have uh, pervasive socialism is just incorrect. Oh, I mean, we've got our problems. Does. We've certainly got our problems. But on the, on a scale, if you were to rank right. New Hampshire if, next to California... Right. If you have to rank New Hampshire versus um, California on a liberty scale, New Hampshire is going to come out better. How much better? I don't know. Depends on who's doing the ranking. But it's going to come out better by anyone's standard who's doing the ranking. And the longer the Free State Project goes on... The more different, you know, the the uh, the wider that gap is going to be between the states. Like right now, you know, New Hampshire on the Liberty scale might sort of rank up amongst Alaska and sort of rank. You know, we're we're definitely on the uh, Liberty side, heavily on the Liberty side, probably in the uh, comparatively amongst the fifty states. I would argue probably the most free state, but somebody could make an argument that Alaska maybe is similarly right. free. It's, it's certainly in the top five, and but, that's just to start from right. because the Free State Project hasn't begun. It hasn't begun yet, and the first 1,000 program still needs another 185, 190 people to sign up. The Free State Project, in a, in its official capacity, hasn't begun, but the, the move has begun. People right. have started early movers. We're two of them, um, so it, it has started. It's just not an official start. It's just people that are just saying, forget this. I'm not waiting for this 20,000 mark. I'm going now. I want liberty in my lifetime, and that means moving sooner rather than later. Right, and what's going to bring liberty to New Hampshire? Um, and as far as I'm concerned, the only chance that uh, the United States has is people moving, not people signing up. Now, I encourage everybody to sign up. I want the Free State Project to get to uh, 20,000 as soon as possible, and I want uh, the first 1,000 to succeed, too. But, um, you know, it's the people moving that are making the difference. Absolutely. And I think as time goes on, you're going to see more people moving. We're going to see more active, uh, activity for liberty, and that's going to create more interest in people moving. So it's going to be a cycle. As more people move, more liberty will be uh, will be happening, more activism will be happening, more people will see that, get excited, move, get involved, get more active, and it's just going to be a nice little snowball. Uh, and it's liberty is going to become infectious up here, and I think it's going to be a great thing within a matter of five to ten years. All right, 800-259-9231, just enough time for an email from Nico. He says, I'm 15, and I'm going to tell you how... Uh, that this weapon that shoots out radio waves at 94 gigahertz isn't safe. 
Uh, we actually talked about this, I think it was last week. There's a new ray gun that the military's been testing out that when they point it at you, it makes your, your skin um, feel like it's burning. But I thought they were shooting microwaves as opposed to radio waves. Microwaves are radio waves. Okay, it's a specific portion of the uh, the radio spectrum. Oh, and he's got it wrong. It wasn't 94 gigahertz. It was like uh, 94. I don't know. It was it was like 940 megahertz or some somewhere up there. Anyway, he says I've done my research a long time ago about how microwaves work. You've explained it a little on your show, so I won't go into great boring detail. Water molecules are polarized because of the way hydrogen and oxygen combine. On one side of the water molecule is positive, the other side negative. When microwaves penetrate the water, it vibrates, creating fric- uh, friction, thus warming the rest of your food. Now, when putting this beam through a person at uh, 94 gigahertz rather than 2.4 gigahertz, the waves are much smaller so they can penetrate easier and they are more intense. So if the waves don't penetrate your skin and mess with the electromagnetic uh, magnetic impulses on your nerves or heat your blood or excite the molecules on your brain, then it will still burn your skin. Now, people won't run. They'll likely be scared at the unfamiliar sensation and perhaps fall to the ground. Delicate equipment like radios, cell phones, most likely get really hot and possibly short circuit. So assuming it's perfectly safe, despite what I've just told you, what if the waves collect in a pointed object such as a light pole, antenna, or umbrella? Then they could find another target and maybe a person and perhaps arc towards them. The intensity of that shock could possibly be devastating. He goes on to say that they claim the weapon is safe. Well, I'd like to debate that with them. Is it really safe? Just because they say it's safe doesn't mean it is. Don't believe me? Two words. Agent Orange. Um, according to Wired.com, 94 gigahertz is what this weapon We're is. We're back tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com in the meantime. See ya. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 